Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 33 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist. And as always, this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice, so please do not take it as such. If you cannot tell already, yes, my voice all sounds hoarse, and I'll probably cough and drink more water because I am recovering from a bout of COVID. Yay! And this week, we're going to be talking about something that is so crucial and so important. And if you listen into last week's um, episode, where we talked about these like foundational need and like thing that allows you to receive healing of that nervous system capability, we're going to be diving into an element of that even more today. Right, so if you're someone who's like, man, yeah, it does not safe be feels safe to be in my body. Whenever I try to do breath work, it feels terrible. All kinds of things like that. This episode is for you. But before we dive into this episode, I want to just tell a little like personal anecdote here of you know having COVID here. In that, this work that I teach, I've always known it. Not always. I've known for a long time that it applies to so many areas of life. Like once you learn these fundamental tools, it's amazing how, like how, just again, how foundational they are to just how we work as human beings. So it's not just about chronic pain. It's about our entire lives. And I had such a cool example of this in like kind of this like mini way um, the other night because I have been feeling okay for the last few days, but it's like at night when I go to lay down, I get the like the dry, unproductive, like that tickle in your throat that like makes you cough. But then even when you cough, it's like not like you're like not getting at it. And it's so freaking aggravating. And oh my God, like if there's a feeling that drives me absolutely insane, it is that one. Like I am not someone who takes a lot of, um, really like we like do not have medications in the house for the most part, you know, like uh, cold meds and stuff like that. But cough medications, oh, I have those because I hate I hate coughing. I don't know why. So anyways, and I, so I've been taking cough suppressant at night, but it, it's like sort of helped, but like still not really. And so I finally like went on. I was like, all right, what's the internet saying about the COVID cough? Like, is there something different I need to know? Maybe there's a different medication that works better, whatever. So... I'm reading about this like unproductive cough cycle of like how the more you cough, the more it irritates your throat, which then sends the signal to cough more. And I'm like, holy shit, do I know about vicious cycles, right? Because that's like what chronic pain is. And they say, it's like on the CDC website, and like a bunch of websites say this, it's like when you notice the urge to cough, to actually breathe and to not cough. And when I read this, Let me first say my initial reaction was like, are you fucking serious? Like, have you felt the urge to cough? Like, oh my, like I got so irrationally angry at first because it felt so impossible. Like, are you kidding me? You want me to just breathe and be with this sensation and not act on it? And then I was like, oh, wait, this is what I teach. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. I got this. And I, I like had to like laugh when I like made this connection because it took a, it took a second. <laughs> and so the next time I had the urge to cough because it never it never occurred to me to not cough, right? Like it was like of course you cough when you have the urge to cough. 
And and when I read about it, like it felt so impossible that like you could just not cough. But I tried it and I and I used the tools that I know of how to be with an uncomfortable sensation and notice what it feels like and notice the urge and slow down and breathe. And oh my God, it worked. Y'all, it worked. Like, holy crap. Like it blew my mind because when the sensation first started coming up, it was like, it overtook my nervous system. Like, like it started, I was like, there's absolutely no, like there's nothing I can do. It's coming, blah, blah. And then I was like, it's like, I've done this before. Like I've been with uncomfortable things. I've been with things that have overtaken my nervous system. I have practiced this skill and I did it and it calmed down and it wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. And, and I do want to say it was not a perfect cure and it's not like it made the sensation go away or that it didn't come back because, oh, did it come back? And yes, I absolutely coughed sometimes. Like I absolutely were like, oh, fuck this. I'm not staying with this. I, I got to cough. 100%. <laughs> and I slept the best I have last night. And I had the least amount of like urges to cough. Like I think I only woke up once coughing last night where I've been waking up like multiple times. And it just, anyways, it, it blew me away. So I'm like, oh yeah, this shit works. Okay, cool. <laughs> Guys, the things that I am, you know, teaching to people that everyone tells me works and that I already know work in my life. It also works for COVID cough. Um, but it's the skill of being with this sensation. And if, if you are just listening in for the first time, like my episode on how to do somatic work really dives into that. And that's obviously then something I go into in like a million times more depth because there is so much nuance and things that you can build on it within my program. Okay. Anyways, I just had to throw that in because it was just a really cool experience. So this week we are talking about the essential component of healing that gets skipped all the time. And that without it, even all the right interventions do not seem to work. If you tend to stump a lot of practitioners because they were sure what they were offering was going to work, and then they just are like, I don't know why this didn't work for you. This should have worked. It's most likely because of this. So what is that thing? You probably already know because I already said it. (laughs) It's nervous system safety. Okay. And before we get into it, though, I want to address something really important around the word safety because it gets thrown around a lot in the self-help world and on social media and things like that, right? Of like finding safety in our body, finding safety in breath. And, you know, this is another place where I harp on this all the time. I wish I could use a different word, but I have not figured out a better one. And to ensure that semantics are not getting in the way of anyone absorbing the importance of this episode, because it is so fucking important. I want to make a disclaimer first. For the purpose of this episode and how I am referring to safety, which remember is specifically nervous system safety, there is a certain degree of privilege that I am assuming that you do have. I am assuming that basic needs like food, water, shelter, clothes are all taken care of. I am also assuming you have access to at least one safe and supportive relationship in your life and that there is currently no physical or verbal abuse happening in your life. 
that like you are unable to separate yourself from. If this is not you, then the fact that you do have access to the internet by means of listening to this, it also tells me that you can hopefully access the abundance of resources that are out there for support. Okay, so again, I'm just assuming that there is this like access to resource here. Now, I do want to say, I, despite this disclaimer, I do think the concept of nervous system safety that I present in this episode still absolutely does apply even in cases where these basic needs are not met. However, the words I would use and the way I would speak about it for those scenarios, it would be different. It would sound very different. I mean, there'd be a lot of overlap, but like there would be a lot more to account for those scenarios and with far more nuance. So please know that. The other thing is, is if you are someone whose basic needs are met, I do invite you upfront to notice if your brain is consistently focusing on or thinking about people whose needs are not met, or how this might not apply for somebody else, or how it might not apply in some made-up scenario that you're going to in your head, um, or if you're just actually feeling guilty that your needs are met. I want you to just notice these things. Because none of this is that we're forgetting that there are others who truly lack basic survival safety. Trust me, I'm very aware. But because when people like yourself are able to harness your own safety and therefore take back your personal power, I trust and know that you will become an even greater force for good in this world. And this work we are doing together will allow you to become more equipped to give back to the world in the ways that you personally are passionate about, whatever those might be. And when we continue to allow our brains to not see our own safety and reality and we're, we're focused on others or we're focused on made-up scenarios or we're focused on scenarios where like, let me make up this thing of where I think there's a loophole in this whatever, we become disempowered to do anything. And that literally helps nobody. So if your head is going there, I'm inviting you to refocus on yourself and your reality. Because if you want to heal your chronic pain, it's a requirement. Okay, now that the disclaimer is out of the way. <clears throat> so going back to nervous system safety. Well, actually, we're going to go back to the, just the concept of finding safety. Because I think that's how it's presented a lot of times in ways that people are more familiar with. Because when I was first introduced to this concept of finding safety in my breath, in my body... All my nervous system did was spaz out, okay? Nothing felt safe about breathing. Nothing felt good about breathing and focusing on my breath. Nothing felt safe about going in my body. And chances are, if you've had chronic pain for more than six months, you feel the same. Maybe you just like can't even, like you're like, I don't even understand what that means to go in my body. It's like a void, right? So even if it doesn't like feel inherently unsafe, it might feel like you can't even access it. And that's just because your nervous system's like, fuck it, we're not going there. All right. So things like breath work, meditation, or even other nervous system regulation tools often can feel like they just trigger your system more. Maybe you've tried the very thing I've talked about in terms of like in, in other episodes. So if you haven't heard those, then that's okay. Um, but 
about looking around the room and literally seeing your current safety of like, there are no attackers in the corners. There's no saber tooth tigers like it's going to jump out at me. But maybe that doesn't even work. Maybe it actually makes you feel less safe, less safe because now you've realized like 10 things in your room that could be a threat. Now you're like, oh, well, crap, that bookshelf over there could fall over and kill me, right? Like, like if your brain does that, it's a really real thing. And if it does, first off, I'm sending you so much love. And second, you're not alone. Third, this hypervigilance is directly contributing to your chronic pain. Why? Because it is this hypervigilance that creates the sensitization in your nervous system in the first place. And much like the COVID cough loop I was talking about, it's the same thing. It is a vicious cycle of like pain creates more sensitization and sensitization creates more pain. Okay. Yes, there's a little like, what's chicken, what's egg? Okay. It doesn't matter. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Okay. The point is, is once you're stuck in the loop, you're stuck there. And the more hypervigilance, the more threat you see, the more sensitization you get, the more pain you have, the more pain you have, the more threat your body sees. All right. That loop goes on and on. And now you might be thinking, okay, great. So great. Now, Andrea, thanks a lot. You've told me about this loop that I'm forever stuck in and everything I've tried to get out of that loop doesn't fucking work because every time I try a safety or regulation tool, it hasn't worked. It's impossible to feel safe. Or maybe you're thinking like, but look at the dangers in this world. How can I possibly feel safe in it? And let me first ask you this. Do you want to feel safe? Is that something you're open to feeling? And notice what happens in your body when I ask that. Maybe you have a quick like, yes, of course. (laughs) Like like your brain, your logic is like, of course I want to feel safe. But then your body is like, has this like dread and fear that hits in like immediately afterwards. Or maybe your body's like, uh, yeah, of course I want that. And your body's like, oh, that feels amazing and blissful and wonderful. And it feels open and light just at the thought of it. Or, hey, I mean, maybe you're like, nope, don't want to feel safe. That sounds like a terrible idea. And if that's you, then I'm going to ask you this. Do you want to have less pain in your life? If not, then, well, why why are you listening? (laughs) So we're going to concentrate on if you do want less pain, keep listening in. Because as long as you're walking around in this state of threat at all times, your nervous system cannot desensitize and you cannot heal. It is just how physiology works. So if logically you have a resistance to having safety, then it's time to get curious about some beliefs of why you wouldn't want safety in your life or what you think being safe means and really uncover what's there. But that's getting really off track. So we're going to leave it at that for right now. Just keep listening. So we're going to assume we're all relatively on the same page here and that you want more safety in your life. Even if it feels like unsafe to want safety, it's that you want safety so you can have less pain. You're open to bringing it in, even if you don't know how yet. So what is the first step? 
Now, the first step might surprise you a bit because it's not some technique you need to do. It's not some embodiment work because we can't do embodiment work because embodiment work doesn't feel safe. So we can't do embody work, embodiment work to feel safe when it doesn't feel safe to get in your body. It's kind of a problem, right? What it is, the first step is blowing up the belief of what you even think safety is in the first place. Because, sorry, Merriam-Webster, I do not agree with your definition. At least not when it comes to the type of nervous system safety we are referring to here. Because according to the dictionary, safety is defined as the condition of being safe, because I love when people use safe in the, anyways, the same word in the definition. So it's defined as the condition of being safe from undergoing or causing hurt, injury, or loss. And while I'm going to assume you could not have quoted that definition before I read it, or you probably have never really thought about it, likely your definition was similar or somewhere along those lines, right? But here's the thing. According to that, if you're in pain, you can't have safety. Like if you're currently undergoing a hurt, then according to that definition, you can't have safety. So basically what that means, if you have chronic pain, you're fucked. It becomes an impossible scenario. You need to be pain-free to have safety, but you first need safety to heal to get pain-free. It's it's a lose-lose, okay? Same thing if you're someone who doesn't feel safe when you're experiencing uncomfortable emotions. It means the very presence of emotions leads to the feeling of being unsafe. Or if you're that person who can look around the room and see all the threats, it means that the only way you could feel safe is being in a fully padded room. But I also guarantee that that wouldn't feel safe either. Why would it? Because, well, you'd probably just imagine the pads falling off and suffocating you. I mean, because I can go there in my brain too. Trust me, it's real easy. (laughs) The point is, as long as we're As long as our brain is looking for threats and a definition of safety is about like, hold on, I got to scroll back up to my definition of being safe from undergoing a threat, we're we're screwed because our brain's always going to find one. Okay, so the only place safety can exist is in a fantasy world that does not exist. And honestly, I like if you have that brain that is constantly seeking or searching for threats, which you probably do you're listening to this. Even in that fantasy world, you can probably still run into threats, right? Or is it just me? (laughs) Because that's what my brain would do. Like I couldn't even come up with a fantasy world because shit would always go wrong in my fantasy worlds. (laughs) Again, hopefully I'm not the only, I know I'm not the only one. So it's cool. Because this is what the brain is designed to do, everyone. (laughs) A brain And, and then a brain with a sensitized nervous system becomes obsessed with doing this. It's designed to find threats. It's like literally what our brains are best at doing. They excel at it. And again, this then, then when you have sensitization of your nervous system, your brain gets even better at doing this. So as long as your definition of safety is based on the complete absence of pain, emotion, challenges, or risk of any of these things happening to you, and it's requiring instead, for lack of a better way of saying it, a total fantasy world, 
You never will fucking win this game. Ever. You will always lose. Your brain will always find something to see as a threat, which will sensitize your nervous system more, which makes it then even better at finding threats. This is why when you sit down to breathe and it's like, oh, find your safety, see how safe you are. And your brain's like, oh, that doesn't feel safe. Can you see how my hip hurts? Can you see how my back hurts? Oh my God, you're going to die, right? Like it doesn't feel good because we're making the absence of those things be a, a prerequisite for being able to breathe in the first place. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. Maybe this is a little harsh, but hopefully you can see that whatever you're holding as your definition of safety is likely very unintentionally, of course. It's not like you're doing this on purpose. It's because it's what the freaking dictionary says, okay? It's like what, literally what we're taught. But as long as what you're, as long as, as whatever you're holding as your definition is the faulty thing here because it's unintentionally keeping you looking for threats. It is keeping you in this loop. So the first step is blowing up whatever definition you have of safety. Now, it might not be exactly following mine. Like you might be like, whoa, no, mine was like totally different. There's still something in there that is not working for you. Because if it worked for you, then you probably wouldn't have an issue finding nervous system safety. Okay. So I don't know about you, but personally, I don't like unwinnable lose-lose scenarios. Feels kind of pointless. Not helpful, not supportive, doesn't help me grow. So here's my super awesome secret for you today. When your rules, your beliefs, or your definitions of things are not serving you, you can just make up new ones that do serve you. So I am going to present the concept of nervous system safety that I've come up with. Because again, as far as I know, I don't know if I've tried to Google nervous system safety, but like it's kind of a phrase that I just put together and made up. Like, and this definition is one that I came up with after a decade of working with women and for myself that I have found to be incredibly supportive for pretty much everyone I've worked with. If it doesn't support you, you still get to make up your own. But if you don't want to make up your own, take this one and see how it feels. All right. So I define nervous system safety as our ability to trust our capability and skills to move through any incident, sensation, or emotional state. And stop. It does not mean that we're going to move through it gracefully or perfectly. It doesn't mean that we trust that we're going to move through it in a way that leads to some massive personal growth and breakthrough. None of that is in the definition. I'm going to read the definition again. It is our ability to trust our capability and skills to move through any incident, sensation, or emotional state. There is no expected outcome attached to this definition. It does not 
make any guarantee that things are going to be better on the other side of said thing that you're moving through. All of that is stripped away for this definition. Because in order to build on something and get any of those things, if those did sound nice, if you're like, but I, but I do want to move through things more gracefully, I, I do want to have personal growth, you know, I do want things to be better on the outside, cool, that's all great. It doesn't get, none of that gets to be an outcome until you have this baseline level of safety, nervous system safety, that has absolutely no expectations or outcomes attached to it. First, that has to be there before you get to build on it. It is like pouring the concrete foundation before you build your house. Now, as an example, tell me if this sounds familiar. If you've ever said like about, like if you felt the emotion of sadness and it's that feeling of if I start crying, I will never stop. This statement is like really, really common. Maybe you haven't said it, but I can guarantee you if you ask three people around you, two of them will have said it. It is a very direct example of not having or not realize. Yeah, here's the thing. It's, 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 that, it's that we're not realizing we have this nervous system safety. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of a mistrust of our nervous system's capability to move through an emotional state. In a statement like this, there is no safety. It is this fear of getting stuck crying forever. And I know it logically can sound like you probably can logically be like, okay, well, it's not really that. But it is, it is there, right? Like if you go, if you have ever been in that state where like, you are trying to repress tears, it very much can feel like if I start crying, I really will never stop. It is a lack of safety. And that becomes the bottleneck to any type of like healing or moving forward or anything like that. Now, here's the thing though, is in my definition of nervous system safety, the reason I personally, I mean, I'm a little biased here, I made it up, but the reason I love it so much is that it's actually not anything anybody needs to, like there's nothing you need to do other than just start believing it and taking it on because there is no other prerequisite. So, because here's the thing, for that scenario of if I start crying, I might never stop. How many, like, can you think back to a time where you've said that? Or maybe think of something similar or maybe even think of a friend who said that, okay, if you haven't. In every one of those scenarios, guess what? You moved through it. Even if there was no intention behind it, even if you didn't know you were going to be able to, even if it fucking sucked and was terrible and maybe you cried for way longer than you anticipated or in like a totally inappropriate time, you still moved through it. Unless you are literally still bawling your eyes out and have not stopped, you moved through it. You did it. And now you know you can. You just needed to see it. You already have the evidence. And same thing with chronic pain. With chronic pain, there are so many, there's so many layers to chronic pain, as you know. And because of the nature of pain, it can feel so unsafe to be in our bodies. 
We've already done that. You've already been in your body. Maybe it's not in like a certain type of way, but that's irrelevant here. You've already lived with the pain. In fact, how long have you survived and made it through another day with a pain? Like I said, there's no outcomes attached to this definition. You didn't need to have, the pain doesn't need to be getting better. You don't have to have any personal growth. It didn't need to be fun. The point is, is you have moved through it. You have moved through how many flare-ups now? You're alive right now if you're listening, which tells me you've made it through a day with chronic pain. You've made it through a flare-up of chronic pain. And the chances are it's a whole lot more than a day, right? What if you could actually start right now celebrating that sort of nervous system safety? And since you are listening to this, I'm going to add in a bit of an extra layer here because I know it happens to be true for every single person listening. Not only did you make it through, but you still, on top of that, had the ability to seek out resources that to support yourself. And I know this because you're listening to this, which is a resource. How fucking awesome is that? That's amazing right there. Like, really, I want you to stop and celebrate for a second here. Can you see that you already have this baseline level of nervous system safety by the very nature that you are alive and have made it through certain emotional states, pain flares, shitty days, things like that? Can you celebrate that? Can you see that? And even if you can't see it all right now, it's okay. See if you can find even just like one scenario of like, man, yeah, I did make it through that one pain flare day that was so bad. And like, hell yeah. Right? All right. I could go on and on about this. And within my program, there's a lot more layers to finding safety and building on it. And and then, like I said, we can then start to add the things where we can move through things with a lot more ease and with a lot less fear and anxiety with them and move through them more gracefully. Like those are all things that are possible. They're just not required for safety. Okay. So we have to separate those things out. And within my program, that's exactly what I'm teaching is like, okay, cool. So now we've like proven that we can like live through them, but like, let's make it a little less shitty, right? Like that all gets to be here too. You first have to have the safety. And then in my program, I'm teaching all of those skills on top of that, that we get to build on that foundation. Now, the next time a wave of pain comes or a super uncomfortable emotion hits, I want you to see if you can start to integrate this definition into your life. Just this alone. This is like the only tool you need to do for right now, right? It's start using this definition the next time you don't feel safe. So if that pain comes or a super uncomfortable emotion hits, ask yourself, have you made it through something like this before? Now, it does not need to be the exact scenario. It's more like, have you made it through feeling angry before? Have you made it through a wave of pain? Yes. 
no one can answer no to either of those questions. Like literally you're all humans listening. And if you're not, that's kind of weird, but message me, let's chat. I want to know more, but okay. Right. <laughs> like all jokes aside, like nobody can answer no to either of those questions. And if you're protesting, if you're trying to tell me, but I didn't make it through anger, I just stuffed it down and repressed it, or instead it just took over and I punched a hole in the wall. Yeah, you still made it through. Making it through means you didn't die. Remember the definition? I didn't say gracefully. I didn't say perfectly. I didn't need to say, I didn't mean to say that you perfectly processed the emotion and, you know, helped what, I don't even know. We're not even going to say things here. I definitely didn't say that there might be room to learn more, that, that there isn't room to learn more skills. The definition just says that you made it through. Because the second we attach perfectionism and requirements to baseline safety, you're fucked. For lack of a way better way of saying that. Here's the thing. You can always grow. We can always do things better, more optimally, easier, whatever. There's always room for improvement in everything. But that isn't a lack of safety. That's just more room for thriving. And before we can thrive, we have to have safety. In order to even learn new skills, we need safety. So let's start establishing now that you already have a baseline level of nervous system safety. It isn't that you don't have it. It isn't that something is so wrong with you that the regulating tools don't work. It's that what you're perceiving as safe is distorted. And that's not your fault. Just blame the patriarch here. Patriarchy. They're an, they're an easy target and totally probably at fault here. <laughs> The point is, is only you can shift this, though. And are you willing to see the nervous system safety that you already have? The one that is defined as your ability to trust your capability and skills to move through any incident, sensation, or emotional state. And again, in my program, we go through a lot more nuance of this, and we build a lot more around this. But I hope that this was really helpful in, in opening your eyes to the nervous system safety that you can cultivate right here and right now. And it's possible to be in a shit ton of pain and have nervous system safety. It's possible to be totally in a triggered nervous system response and have nervous system safety. And please, I would love to know your feedback here. Definitions can change. DM me on Instagram or book a call if there's something here that isn't sitting right. Let's chat more. I want to keep evolving this definition so it is supportive. That's the, that's the whole point of it. And if you loved this reframe, if this is something you now want to take to the next level and start building even more safety and start expanding on the capabilities of your nervous system, if you want to shift your relationship with chronic pain from one of resentment, fear, and anxiety to one of a partnership, where within it, this partnership, you can heal, grow, and thrive, then check out my Unweaving Chronic Pain program. It's a program with massive support, a program where the nuance, complexity, neuroscience, and woo are all brought together to move you from hopeless with chronic pain to being a self-partnered powerhouse. 
This program is open for enrollment, and you can find the link in the show notes. If you have more questions about it, just book a call with me, and I can personally help you decide if the program would feel supportive for you. I cannot wait to see you inside of it. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening. If this episode was helpful, please leave a review. This helps me know that I am serving you and also helps others with chronic pain find this podcast and get the support that they need. All right. Thank you all. Next time. I'll see you next time. Bye.